Welcome to Crab Takes in Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I'm TK, joined by Andrew Holly, and your Baltimore Ravens are back-to-back AFC North Division champions. Holly, how we doing, man? Kings of the North. The Kings, Kings of the North. All we do is we drink and we know things. But the Ravens are Kings of the North. How about it? And the NFC West and the AFC East. We that is for damn off. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we got pretty much half the league under our belt already. We just got to go get a championship now. The Ravens, since we last were with you, get two wins uh, at the Buffalo Bills and hosting the Jets on Thursday night football. The Jets win gave the Ravens the AFC North crown once again. Uh, this is the second year in a row. A little bit less drama than last year, but uh, I think I like it better this way. Um, the Ravens, what is that, 10 straight wins now? That's that's pretty wild, hanging on to that number one uh, seed in the AFC. So we are going to talk about both of these games here uh, and, and uh, catch up on what we've missed. So we'll do offense, defense, and special teams for both games. And um, we'll hand out a game ball. We'll talk about our pop of the week and something I, I think we forgot to do bulletin board last time, but I think we have something this week. So uh, we will be sure to do that as well. So the Ravens got a, a hard fought win against a pretty decent Buffalo Bills. Team. Your Buffalo Bills. Not they circled mine. the wagons quite nicely against the Ravens and, and gave them a pretty good game, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, the Ravens had to like pretty much scratch and claw their way out of that out of that game. Uh came down to that that last play by Marcus Peters in which, you know, the the Bills had a shot at the end zone there, but Peters was all over it. Um talking about our offense, you know, kind of a little bit stifled up in Buffalo and I think it's mostly because of a a very talented defensive front that they have. Um I'm pretty impressed by that defense. I mean, they they got after the running game quite a, quite quite well, and uh, you know they stuck to their assignments and and they got some good players up there. They do, you know what? Overall, I mean, not to not to talk too much about their their defense, or I, I guess we're talking about their defense, or I guess like what I mean is their offense because I'm going to talk about some of their offensive players in a second. But you know that that Bills blueprint is the blueprint of the type of team that I worry can beat the Ravens. You know, mm-hmm. that, that team that's, I mean, look, the, the 49ers are, are certainly a step above the Bills, I think, at this point, but they're built very, in a very similar fashion. They have a good defense and, or at least a solid defense and, and, you know, what would seem to be a good running game, a solid, a solid tough quarterback in, in Allen. So, you know, I, it was definitely a, a hard fought win for the Ravens. I mean, Singletary had 89 yards. You know, they seemed mm-hmm. to, to, to exploit some of the outside, um, as we saw in that 49ers game, you know, Beasley had a nice game with some, some big catches, the touchdown, you know, there were, there were also some defensive lapses, certainly at the end, you know, we saw with the, the Humphrey, the Humphrey penalty, which we'll get to later. But I, you know, the, what I mean by all that is just, you know, Buffalo really just seemed like, um, as you, as you pointed out early on, I didn't quite believe at that point, but, you know, the the Bills definitely, you know, gave the Ravens a game and, and, and were a team to be reckoned with. Now, look, Lamar Jackson, that said, still had three touchdown passes. You know, he still did what he does, but to a lesser degree 
you know, as as other games. We didn't, or we, they did enough to win the game, certainly. But, hey, 24-17, I'm not used to the last few games sitting there. You know, I guess it was close against the Niners. But aside from that, it's been a lot of... Uh, a lot of kicking back in the fourth quarter with some RG3. So uh, it was a little, little, some nervous times in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. I mean, you know, they got after our running game pretty well. I mean, that being said, he still put up 118 yards on the ground, which was still by far the season low, um, you know, averaging under four yards a carry. I mean, Lamar Jackson had 11 carries for 40 yards, and that doesn't really happen to him very often. And, um I mean, it came down to making big plays that that yep. the Bills were not capable of making, and the one that stands out to me is is the long Hayden Hurst touchdown on which uh, Lamar actually got hurt. I mean, that was the play in which he said he got hurt, and that was his whole quad issue. But either way, de- delivers a really nice pass to Hayden Hurst, and he took off. I mean, if you see some of the the angles of that touchdown, he blew everybody out as he raced down the sideline. What was it? He's he's the fastest player recorded on the Ravens this year. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a tight end. You know what? I, those tight ends are freaking unbelievable, and it's great to see Hayden Hurst finally get a chance to show why he was a first-round pick. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, it, it's been getting a lot of play lately, the whole – you know, well, did the Ravens really know what they were getting when they drafted Lamar because they drafted Hayden Hurst over him? Well, let's not knock Hayden Hurst. I mean, he was a yeah. he was a legitimate number one pick, and certainly not that not that Lamar Jackson certainly wasn't. And looking back, he was certainly well under drafted. But that said, I mean, Hayden Hurst that doesn't make Hayden Hurst terrible. I mean, he's he's finally getting a chance to really show. Um, show everybody why the Ravens invested that first round pick in him. And man, I mean, we're going to have to start coming up with some nicknames for this tight end group between Boyle and Hurst and your man, Mark Andrews. I mean, this is a fairly unprecedented trio in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, it's, it's just great to see Hayden Hurst getting more of an opportunity now um, to show why he was selected where he was selected and you know the whole thing about taking Jackson after Hurst I mean I I just I think they had an understanding of the draft board and and they got two really good players instead of just one so I mean (laughs) I don't think they knew everybody else was was undervaluing Lamar and they could wait to get him when they got him and it worked out right I don't yeah I don't think the front office is getting enough credit for that I mean you know, and you like also I said, have to look at, look, you know, we did have Flacco at the time, right? Right. I mean, it's not like we needed a quarterback, seemingly. Right. I mean, not that, uh, I mean, as it turns out, certainly, yeah, I'm glad we took him because even if Flacco had stayed, it's obviously his body was breaking down based off what happened to him this year in Denver. Mm-hmm. But that's all hindsight. You know, at the time, we were like, great, let's get some weapons for Flacco and yep. start beefing things up again for, you know, to give him a chance. So they they were able to sort of, I don't know, for lack of a better way of saying it, speak out of both sides of their mouth because they were drafting for need and drafting for the future all at the same time. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think I think you said it really well. Um, but I mean, coming back to this game, this was kind of you know if we see the Bills again in the playoffs, or, or I guess it would have to be the playoffs. This is going to be another tough game. I mean, of course, yeah. at this point, uh, it, it, the game would be in Baltimore, which helps for sure. But, um, you know, the, the Bills, they've already shown us they have the personnel to really, really give this offense a really tough time. And I guess, I mean, Sam Cook punted seven times in this game, and he hadn't punted in, like, months is what it seemed like. And, you know, this is the most we had seen of Sam Cook, uh, you know, pr- pretty much all season. So, um yeah, I, I think they did a really good job against their offense. But I think our defense uh, just really, really came to play. And while it's been the offense leading the way for most of the season, um, the defense is really, really what won this game for the Ravens. It really did. I mean, we might as well transition, you know, over to the Ravens, I mean, or over to the defense at this point. You know, yeah, I, I, wow. I, I mean, we were talking about it before we started recording. I, I keep. I definitely keep undervaluing or under – I'm just overlooking completely what what this defense can do. I, I, I'm not giving them enough credit week to week. I, I'm just waiting for the bubble to burst. And, and pretty much every week, they're proving to me that while they may bend a little bit, they're really not breaking. They're making turnovers at the right time. They're letting things like – penalties that are happening at the wrong time, whether they're called poorly, like the the dumb, you know, unnecessary roughness pass, you know, what is it, roughing the passer mm-hmm. penalty or whatever that was called on Earl Thomas to the, you know, unfortunate pass interference call at the end of the game on that final drive when you were just waiting for that Oh my yeah. God moment when Humphrey tripped and fell into the receiver. You know, the fact that then later in the drive, you know, Peters is making plays, you know, even on that same drive, LJ Ford's making a huge sack, you know, yeah. it, it, you know, Matthew Judon just having a monster game, you know, it's, it's really fun to see what what this crazy ass defense, because I mean, people keep talking about the Ravens offense and how they're changing the NFL and blah, blah, blah. And certainly that's been the talk of the year because of, I think, some of the comments from the coaching staff in the offseason. But where's the talk? I mean, the Ravens barely play linebackers, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, we were talking about it beforehand. What were the snaps that you said? Against the Jets. Uh, Josh Bynes was the most active linebacker, and he only played 47% of the snaps. And let's see, LJ Fort was only on the field for 29% of the snaps. So these middle linebackers are not really getting many plays to be out there. It's it's all these swarming defensive backs that we've had. We've been talking for months about this defensive back group and, you know, obviously we lose Tony Jefferson and we lose Deshaun Elliott, but they have still shown that they are absolutely elite in this league. Oh, they, they really are. I mean, the, it, just the, the cornerback depth is just ridiculous. But I mean, when you've got a guy like Chuck Clark, who, who somehow wasn't starting already, and he's <laughs> basically our middle linebacker. 
I mean, it, it, he is, I mean, and he rushes the passer on so many downs. I mean, it's really amazing to watch him play. They have him all over the place, you know, and then, you know, Wink Martindale's just, he is a mad scientist. It's wonderful to see, you know, as a side part of that, as great as it's, as, as, as it is to see, it also sucks because you're looking at both, you know, both of our coordinators going, Oh God, please don't go both get NFL job, you know, NFL mm-hmm. coaching jobs next year or head jobs. But, you know, man, I mean, this whole coaching staff is coaching their asses off and more power to John Harbaugh. Hopefully he doesn't get overshadowed by the fact that both of his coordinators are doing a hell of a job because he should also be getting credit for their jobs because he put them in the, you know, he's, he's been a big factor, I think, in all of this, but, mm-hmm. you know, just a, you know, and I've got to go back on what I said somewhat, you know, earlier in the season, I basically wrote them off as no hope, you know, where's the hope, where's the depth, where is it, where is it coming from? It's not coming from anywhere. You know, I, I was very doom and gloom. And yet, hey, Jalen Ferguson has been pretty much a beast, you know, yeah. as he's gotten more time. You know, LJ Fort has been a beast at times. And and for a guy that's only playing, you know, 40% of the snaps, whatever it is, you know, and he's, he's making plays when he's got the chance. And maybe that's partly why he's making plays because there's that rotation. But, you know, it's, it, it, just impressive to see between the, the the offense and the defense are just really at the top of their games right now. And, and to see them be able to have a game against a team, hostile environment in Buffalo, not great. No, not, not terrible weather, but it was cold. I'm sure it was mm-hmm. probably pretty windy uh, as it usually is in Buffalo coming off the lake. But, you know, I just think it finally again the Ravens defense has a couple closers. Whether that be Marcus Peters making that play, whether that be some of these guys rushing the passer and making big plays, maybe not getting the sack, but you know, harrying the quarterback just enough. Mm-hmm. It's finally we're getting some of those plays that we didn't have before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I want to circle back to Chuck Clark. Um, and I know this is a while ago now, two weeks ago now, but, or no, I guess just one week. It was two games, but his offsides penalty, uh, right on the goal line. Yes. How smart was that? What a heady play. You know, he knew that the defense wasn't going to be lined up by the time the Buffalo Bills were ready to go. So he intentionally took the offsides penalty. He lined up behind Josh Allen. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah, that was crazy. Takes the penalty. Oh, it was half the distance to the goal. One yard, whatever. Fine. We'll line up yeah. and let's let's give this a shot. And I yeah. think the Bills the Bills ended up scoring on that on that drive. But still, I mean, just the awareness yeah. uh, to do that, not have to burn a timeout, and and you know that kind of stuff. It it all has all those implications. And I guess, you know, we keep hearing about how smart of a guy Chuck Clark is, and I think plays like that are, are you know, where that really, really becomes apparent. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I, and you got to wonder, too, okay, well, wait a minute. Speaking of, you know, I think we were talking about before the 
I forget if we t- were talking about this before the, the podcast or as, but all these guys that we're going to suddenly have to sign now, mm-hmm. you know, Chuck Clark's another one, you know, I mean, we may have to, we may have to pony up more money now that for a guy like Chuck Clark, then maybe we wouldn't have, cause he's playing out of his mind for a certainly division, you know, a division winning, hopefully first round by AFC and Super Bowl winning team. But, you know, there's some, there's some guys on this team making themselves some money. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. I, I also wanted to circle back to what you were saying about the coordinators. Uh, Wick Martindale is a madman. He is insane. Like kind of some of the defense that he's calling, like how many guys he's blitzing. That yeah. last play, um, you know, that Marcus Peters gets the pass breakup. The Bills have a real shot at the end zone there and there's no safety help against uh John Brown who's who's uh the Bills number one option. There's no safety help. You just leave Marcus Peters out there cuz you trust him to make a play and he did. He sat on that route perfectly and and he broke it up. But think about every other defensive coordinator in this league. He would have a safety much less I mean Earl Thomas back there just in case. And Wink Martindale's like, "No, I'm good. I trust my guy." And that is insane to me. That is crazy. But, I mean, the the way that he's calling these defenses, bringing the pressure against the Bills, there were six sacks, 12 more quarterback hits. We were in Josh Allen's face all day. He takes some big shots uh, standing behind whatever they call that offensive line. But, again, Martindale dialing up the blitzes, finally getting some more pressure on quarterbacks, whereas, you know, we were really worried about that earlier this year. The the hits and the sacks seem to be coming a little bit more consistently now. And, uh, you know, he's just doing a great job at, at the helm of that defense. And like you said, I mean, I don't know. He's, for whatever reason, he reminds me a lot of Rex Ryan. But in the way that he is a really good defensive coordinator, I just don't know how he would work as a head coach. And I kind of felt yeah. that way about Rex Ryan when, when – a lot of people wanted to make him the head coach of the Ravens uh, before we ended up sign, uh, hiring John Harbaugh. Is that like, yeah, I, he's just, I don't know if he's cut out to be a head coach. And, and I honestly, like, I hope he stays as our defensive coordinator. But, I mean, if, if somebody wants to hire him, then, you know, that's great for him. But obviously, I want him to stay and, and be the leader of this defense going forward. You think Roman's gone? See, like him, I it's the same thing. I don't really see him as a head coach either. I, I think like, agree with you. I like this is just like the best it could get for Greg Roman right now. He has full reign on the offense. He has Lamar Jackson. He has fast, talented, young skill players. He has a really good offensive line and a head coach that just lets him go for it on fourth down all the time. So I mean, I'm not sure it gets much better for him. And, uh, yeah, like I said, he just doesn't really strike me as uh, the head coach. See, the thing is, you know, it's interesting because you can't – it it doesn't seem like you can really take Greg Roman's – or certainly the Ravens' offense. I don't want to necessarily call it Greg Roman's offense, although he's certainly a a large part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that you can take that to another team and definitely have it be successful because you don't have Lamar. So, to me – you know, I don't want to say he's not, he's certainly a head coach in Canada, I think, for somebody out there, but I, 
if I was an NFL executive, I would want to see maybe another year or two of this Ravens offense to say, okay, how does this adjust in year two? How does this adjust in year three? And then you go, okay, this is pretty legit. Let's mm-hmm. get this guy. And maybe right. you do that after year two. But to me, I, I, I want to see how, and I, as a Ravens fan, I'm intrigued to see certainly how that's going to be. But, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. Before you, you call this guy the second coming of, say, uh, Mike Martz, you know, because that's kind of how I look at this. You know, the Rams had the greatest show on turf. And now a little bit different scenario because their head coach retired and then Martz became the, the, the head guy. But but still that same kind of idea where, you know, the mad scientist guy up for this major offense, you know, becomes a head coach. So we'll we'll see. I, I, I think but I tend to agree with you. I don't really see either of them. As the head coach, I think certainly, I think Roman has a better chance than Martindale because, like you said, I look at him a lot like Rex, but without the some of the pedigree of Rex or media savvy mm-hmm. as Rex. And I don't right. mean that necessarily in a bad way either um, for Martindale that he doesn't seek out some of the media attention. I think that Rex did. Um, but I, I still look at him much in the same way. Like if he goes somewhere as a defensive coordinator it's gonna, or as a head coach, he's going to be like the, yeah, he's there for two years and then gets fired and goes back to being a defensive coordinator again. Right. Right. So I'm just looking into Greg Roman's like career history right now. He's never been a head coach anywhere uh, in mm-hmm. professional football. I mean, he was with Stanford for a little bit with Jim Harbaugh as the offensive coordinator and then was the offensive coordinator for those Colin Kaepernick teams. So he's done kind of this offense before. And then in Buffalo, he made Tyrod Taylor uh, a pro bowler in, in another similar offense. So this is kind mm-hmm. of the third time that he's done this. But despite that success, never been a head coach. So I don't know. Maybe this time is different, but if if – things kind of follow his past trajectory. I think offensive coordinator is kind of where he kind of fits in this league. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what his, what the we'll deal see. is with, uh, with the coordinators, but, uh, definitely hope that both of them stay. I hope that they both get raises so that they yeah, are. Absolutely. Make them all assistant head coaches, <laughs> all that yeah. jazz. Exactly. Give yeah. Any title they want. I mean, I guess my biggest concern, I mean, like you, I, you know, I, I really agree with pretty much everything you've said. I, I just worry that if somebody goes out there and, and grabs a Greg Roman, I just want to make sure that that Lamar has a consistent coaching presence for, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it, it was obvious how much that hurt Flacco, yep. you know, having the the back and forth of of different offensive systems and and all of that so hopefully we can at least you know keep them in the same system for the most part i mean obviously this is we can call this the raven system because i don't know that this is fully what the niners were like back back in the Kaepernick days i feel Mm -hmm. like they were they were a little bit of a different team um they did run a lot of pistol but it wasn't wasn't quite what the Ravens are doing. So, uh, 
anyway, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Either way, you know, circling back on that game, Buffalo Bills, pretty good team. We'll, we'll maybe see them in the playoffs and they, if they can get past that first weekend, and in which case it'll be a really good game. But uh, for that game, you want to do a game ball? Um, let's see for the, for the Bills game, I'm, I'm gonna steal, steal your heart and go with Big Red Hayden Hurst. I mean, what a, what an awesome, I mean, he basically sealed the game for the Ravens. That was such a massive play. Um, and, and just a, a fun thing to see for, for the player himself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that huge play was great. Uh, I'll go with Earl Thomas. Uh, he got his first career sack, you know, albeit with that weird penalty afterwards, but first career sack for Earl Thomas, so, Nice, nice little memento for him, and he got the win. So, uh, game ball to him. Pop of the week. Um, like I said, Josh Allen gets crushed, and like sometimes, you know, people, I mean, a lot of the time people worry about like, oh, how long is Lamar going to be able to do this, and it, can he take these hits and stuff like that? Lamar does not get hit the way that Josh Allen gets hit. He was airborne like several times in the game. And uh, I'm going to go with the LJ Fort sack at the end of the game on Josh Allen. Um, You know, took them out of the red zone after some penalties and the and the pass interference penalty. So that was a huge play and it was a hard hit. So LJ Fort, like we said, just making plays. He gets my pop of the week. How about you? Well, I'm going to go with Matthew Judon. Um, That was a nice little, you know, just just his sack and half sack and just. Just Matthew Judon in general is my pop of the week against the Bills. Yeah, he's a beast. He's he's going to get paid as well. I hope the Ravens find a way to extend him because uh, we're we're going to need him. Uh, so let's let's maybe talk about this Jets game a little bit more. Lamar Jackson takes control of this game, sets the all-time record for rushing yards by a quarterback, uh, breaks Michael Vick's record, and in that same game throws five touchdown passes. He did it all against the Jets. The running game was outstanding. Uh, Lamar was terrific on some of these throws. Uh, the offense was pretty much unstoppable, and uh, the Ravens take care of business and locked up the division in this game. They really did, man. I, I, I They just, I mean, Lamar is just amazing. I mean, let's just give Lamar the game ball for life right now because Mm -hmm. he is just he's been unbelievable I mean let's let's talk about it here it's we we're going into what week 15 I'm sorry well I know week 16 excuse me if I can do my math correctly so we're going into week 16 and we've got a quarterback that has thrown for 2,889 yards okay yeah Whatever, he'll have a little over, you know, maybe 3,500 yards for the season after the next couple games if we're lucky, you know, whatever. Actually, that's quite a bit. But anyway, you know, he'll have, he'll have, you know, oh, certainly over 3,000 yards for the season. Eh, that's okay. Yeah, but he also ran for 1,100 yards plus. I mean, that's just freaking ridiculous. And then he's got on top of it seven, seven rushing touchdowns. Seven on top of his 33 passing touchdowns, man. Crazy. All with six interceptions. Six. And like you said, people were worried about Lamar. Oh, he's going to get hit too much and everything else. He's been sacked 10 less times than he's thrown touchdowns. Yeah. 
It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Like all these things, like every game he seems to have some sort of like Lamar Jackson, first player to ever do XYZ. And, you know, mm-hmm. he sets a record in this game and he's definitely the MVP uh in this of this league this year, leading the league in touchdowns. Like you said, only six picks, the the rushing to go along with it. And the thing is, like, we don't have as many drives and plays as other teams because of our strategy to to just bleed clock. Other teams have, you know, so many more plays and so many more opportunities for their quarterbacks and running backs or whoever to score and rack up yards and things like that. But, I mean, if you look at the efficiency here, like, Lamar has, has 40 touchdowns on such fewer pass attempts because we just don't run that many plays that, like, it, it is it is really, really unbelievable. So, I mean, he is leading this Ravens offense to, in some st- in some stats, like, this, this offense is among some of the best of all time. Uh, which is so weird, weird to think about. And like, nobody's really talking about that, but he is having an all time season and, um, second year. He's 22. He's younger than the Heisman Trophy winner, Joe Burrow in college. I mean, what he is doing. And he's a Heisman Trophy winner himself. Yes. How crazy is that? Like, what he is doing this year is un, unreal. And he's doing it so humbly. And, you know, we, we've, Heaps praise on him all year for his attitude and things like that, but it is just so great to watch him go out, make plays, and um, and just have fun playing out there. He's revitalized this this team's swagger and just the way that they play, and it is it is so fun to watch. It really is. I mean, and and the thing is too, we're talking about free agency. How many more players are the Ravens going to start getting because people want to play with Lamar? Yeah. I mean, think about that. We've now, we've now got the cachet for pretty much any offensive player out there and defensive player because everyone's in awe of the, of our quarterback. Yeah. I mean, who wants to go out and try to tackle him? I mean, he yeah. embarrassed the dude on the Bills. Oh. And, you know, he's blowing by guys on the Jets. Week to week, his stops. His stopping and starting and bursts of, you know, sudden burst is, is just out of control. I guess his suddenness, you know, but yeah, man. I mean, I, I hope all Ravens fans out there are really taking a step back and, and enjoying what we're watching because stuff like this doesn't happen often. As all Ravens fans should know, you know, with, with how hard it has been for the Ravens to have a good offense over the, you know, years and years of, of trying, you know, man, there's something special. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. And, and, you know, one of the things that I did want to talk about was, uh, the fourth down play that, you know, Lamar kind of, ushered the punt team off the field so that they could go for it. It was on their own 29-yard line. Um, it was a, I believe it was a 21-point game at that point, and I was fourth and one. And uh, the play call itself was kind of strange. I mean, 
the Jets kind of had it strung out. They, you know, they had guys uh, in position to, you know, stop a Lamar Jackson run, but they didn't account for Mark Andrews down the field, or, or I think the defender fell, and it was a huge play. So the thing with fourth down that we've been seeing all year is the win probability if you're successful and the win probability if you're unsuccessful. So according to ESPN and some work that I did on uh, pro football reference, the win probability, according to ESPN, at the time of that play, before it started for the Ravens, was 99.5%. After the conversion, after the big play, the win probability went up to 99.7%. If they didn't get it, though, the win probability would have dropped all the way down to 99.1%. So even if they didn't get it, the win, the Ravens were probably still in good shape. But, I mean, like, just the, the guts to have that type of play call on that play was, uh, was pretty amazing. I was not anticipating it looking like that. But, man, that was awesome. My guy, the Mandrews, came down with a nice run, of the, run after the catch as well. And, uh, man, that was I, – I was kind of curious about it at first, but then looking into the numbers, um, you know, as long as the Ravens stay true to their strategy, they stay true to the numbers and don't get all emotional or, or nervous in those kind of situations when it's in crunch time on fourth downs, then – I think I think we're good. Well, you know, I think a big part of the, of of the the strategy of going for it on on fourth down has to be the the confidence of the team that they're going to make it. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's pretty obvious that that the Ravens as they built this team, as they worked through things in training camp, made it clear to the team, look, when this happens, Expect us to go for it because this is what the the statistics are telling us to do. Mm-hmm. So you guys need to be confident that a we're going to go for it, but b you're going to get it. Right. And it's pretty it's pretty clear that that has built an extra edge onto this offense. You know, both the confidence of the coaching staff because they know the numbers, but also of the players because they know the coaching staff knows they're going to get it. Right. You know, um, it's it's really pretty pretty crazy that yeah. another you know it's crazy on one hand because we've never seen anything like that kind of kind of thing before. Certainly in Baltimore, I know there have been some other teams that have been pushing the limit on fourth down plays the last few years, but certainly this team seems like it, it's taking it to another level. Um, but but uh, I forget where I was going there. But anyway. Uh, it's just, man, is it uh, just a powerhouse of a team that's able to do what they're doing right now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The So Lamar had five touchdown passes on the day. Could have been six. He kind of missed one to Mark Andrews there, for which would have been a huge play. But my favorite touchdown pass on the day was the one to Miles Boykin. Just based on Lamar's shoulder position, his feet position, he just dropped the arm angle and, and flipped out a pass to Boykin with, like, good amount of steam on there. And I, like, don't understand how he, like, physically did that. I mean, I thought he would have to, like, reset his feet or whatever, but, like, he just kind of slung it out there, and, it, like, it didn't even make sense to me. 
that he got Boyk in the ball at that angle. But that was definitely my favorite one on the day. No, that's a that's a that's a nice choice. You know, I you, you get all the comparisons between Lamar and Vic for the obvious reasons. Lamar's breaking Vic's records and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. To me, it, it's it's somewhat of a poor comparison beyond that because Lamar throwing the ball to me is a vastly superior player than Vic ever showed he was. Mm-hmm. as a quarterback and part part of that is that savviness with his arm angles and that natural arm talent of being able to kind of throw around people and all that crazy stuff that we see now I think it's it's a double-edged sword with that because I think you'll see him maybe get out of his mechanics some at times as he's doing that stuff but you can't tell him not to do that because that's what makes him special <laughs> And, right. and man, I, it really, that's where you get excited in my mind about Lamar Jackson. As fun, as fun as it, as it is to see him running around and doing what he's doing. At some time, at some point, that's not going to happen anymore, whether it's through injury or just through slowing down because of, you know, the natural aging process. At some point, he's going to need to make sure he is a, savvy pocket passer and and damn it if he's not already a savvy pocket passer even with his explosive running outside the pocket yeah i mean like best case scenario he like slows down and then becomes russell wilson yeah i mean like i mean wilson isn't as i mean he's still athletic but he's certainly not as athletic as lamar and obviously we know what he can do from the pocket so i mean best case he becomes Russell Wilson, and, and, you know, if that's what he is, like, five, six, seven years down the line, then that's cool. But yeah, that just we means to... we really have the greatest quarterback of all time on our team, by the way. If he goes from this vintage Lamar Jackson for the next four to five years and then drops off to vintage <laughs> Russell, Russell Wilson, I'll take that. Yes. I will take it. Yes, definitely. But I think <laughs> – the key is for us to just enjoy what he's doing right now and not worry Absolutely. too much about uh, what he's going to look like 10, 15 years down the line. But uh, what we have on our hands right now is truly, truly something special. I think the, the running game really got back on track. It was plus uh, over 200 yards on the ground uh, against the Jets, who are kind of a depleted team on the defensive side. I mean, they didn't have Jamal Adams nor Quinnen Williams and, and, and a handful of other guys. I mean, their injury report obviously leading up to the game. Yeah, yeah, C.J. Mosley, yeah, that's true. Um, but their injury report leading up to the game was insane. I've never seen anything like it. Like, half their guys are on that report, which is, you know, such a shame for them because that really sucks. But, I mean, it was the Ravens' job to go in and beat them, and, and they did. So uh, I was really pleased with how the offense looked. And over on the defensive side, there were a couple lapses, but in that second half, I think they really tightened up. Um, I think at, at a certain point, they'd only allowed like 38 yards in the second half before uh, the, the 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 longer Jameson Crowder touchdown. I mean, at that point, I think the game was well in hand and maybe a little bit lost of focus, but uh, I, I was pretty pleased with the way that the defense played overall. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, as we mentioned briefly before, I mean, I think, you know, they, they, they played fairly well. You know, there were ways they were able to attack our, our, our defense, excuse me. Now, certainly they didn't have any kind of answers for Lamar. 
um, and our offense. So that's, you know, they, once the Ravens got ahead by a couple touchdowns, it was pretty much, pretty much done. But that said, I feel like, you know, in some respects, it felt closer than possibly the score was at times for me. I, I don't know why that necessarily was because, I mean, it was really the Ravens game throughout. But I felt like there were areas that that made me nervous that, you know, the the Jets were able to attack. But, I mean, look, with that said, seven of the points that were scored by the Jets were off a terrible blocked punt. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it's really, you know, I'm, I'm being overly critical on a pretty fantastic defense. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're really good. Chuck Clark had the big red zone interception after the Jets had been moving the ball a little bit. So, I mean, they, they made the plays that they had to, uh, I think overall, again, they look pretty good. The punt block. Yikes. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the special teams shortly, but I mean, Again, overall, the, the defense, uh, certainly some things that they can improve on. I, I think the edge setting has kind of been an issue since that 49ers game really, really uh, put a magnifying glass on it, I guess. But, uh, you know, I think that has to get a little bit better. But overall, the, the defense played really well and um, should be should be pretty proud of their effort. Wink Martindale took one of the coolest pictures probably that a defensive coordinator has ever taken. He looked like a uh, like a biker gang dude to me, like celebrating with his team. I don't know if you saw that from the locker room. I don't picture? think I did. I missed that. Okay, I'll send it to you. Wink Martindale looks sick. So uh, I'll definitely get that over to you. But let's see. Special teams. Oh, boy. This was not, not good. <sighs> yeah, I mean, yeah, where do you want to start? I mean... Let's let's go uh, kick and punt coverage. Oh well, that I'll let you go in town there. That was just horrendous. Yeah, I mean, really, not much else to say about it. It just can't be that way because better teams will make the Ravens pay for that. Uh, the Jets' offense, you know, just didn't have that much juice to uh, capitalize on a lot of those, but. The, the yardage and the field position and things like that that the Ravens gave up uh, on those returns was was not good. And, and you know, when you get to the playoffs, teams will make you pay for that. And uh, they just got to clean it up. I'm not sure what the deal is. I mean, I know that they have a ton of injuries uh, and, and have lost guys on special teams all season long. But, you know, you, you add a guy like Brendan Trawick back, and you you expect that unit to get uh you know slightly better with a with a veteran presence out there you know a guy known for his special teams abilities but uh mm, just was was not good in the coverage at all you mentioned the missed extra point i mean i do you really want to talk about that one you can you can it's go with just, that one if you i like. just think it's weird i don't want to harp on that i just find it very strange now that Justin Tucker has missed, is it two or three this season? Um, I I just find that weird. Um, You know, not that I'm worried about Justin Tucker, but there are obviously some breakdowns somewhere on special teams that are making that happen. And then, of course, we've got the blocked punt, which, you know, obviously, as you said, similar to the coverage teams, we start letting stuff like that happen. Better teams are going to capitalize, as the Jets did, but it's mm-hmm. going to make more of a difference. 
um, because a better team is going to be a whole lot closer to the Ravens than the Jets would be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that's really got to get cleaned up. Um, you know, you'd really like to see some progress as the Ravens take on the Browns next week. But, yeah, that really just has to get better. And um, maybe more so than in the past, you know, this is the kind of game where you look, wait, who is my special teams coordinator? And, uh, you know, maybe maybe he uh, needs to uh, reassess things, Coach Horton over there, and hopefully he can get all that kind of stuff cleaned up before the playoffs. Ah, uh, Let's see. Game ball time. You ready for this? Or did you have anything else to mention? Um, no, no, not really for the, for the Ravens Jets game. I, I think we can leave it, leave it where it is for there. All right. Game ball. Who you got? I'm going to go with Seth Roberts. You know, he actually leading the team and receiving with 66 yards, three big catches, including a pretty nice touchdown. Um, I'm, I'm going with Seth, Seth Roberts, big game from the uh, receiver. Yes. I'm going to go with Mark, uh, Ingram and, you know, he didn't have an 100 yards, but he did almost average like six yards of carry, running hard, running angry, you know, doing his Always usual thing. He had, yeah, he had two touchdowns and really just sets the tone for the offense on the ground game, uh, along with Lamar. And you know, they have such a special relationship, the two of them. And, uh, it's really glad to, glad to see that. You know, we, I haven't showed him much love these past couple of weeks, even though he deserves it. So. Mark Ingram gets my game ball. Pop of the week, did you have one in mind? I do. I Not a specific pop, but I'm going to go pops. And that's between our two starting wideouts, Seth Roberts and Miles Boykin, blocking on the outside and and bringing the pain to the, the opposing defensive backs. Um, they're just doing a fantastic job on the outside. I wanted to make sure they got some recognition for it. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Um, I'm going to go with Tyus Bowser and his strip sack on Sam Darnold. Um, I feel like, I mean, it was a really nice play. I think Bowser has been playing really well recently, which, you know, is a very welcome sight. A lot of pressure was Most on him. Most definitely. Yeah, a lot of pressure was on him leading up to the season to really step up and uh, be one of these big edge guys for us. And, and finally looks like he's playing some really good football. And he had the nice strip sack of Darnold, which was recovered by the Ravens. They went on to score a touchdown. And I really felt like from that moment on, the floodgates really opened uh, on this game. Because at that moment, it was 21 to 10. The the Jets had been moving the ball a little bit. And uh, that strip sack kind of just, I think, took a lot of wind out of their sails, especially uh, right after the Ravens scored the touchdown on that possession. So that's going to get my pop of the week. And uh, let's go ahead and look forward to Week 16 against the Cleveland Browns, who the Ravens lost to earlier this season. But they seem like a much different team now than they were back then. That they do. They, they as, as the Cleveland teams tend to do by this point in the season, they seem to have imploded some. Um that said, I mean, they're, they're, you don't want to overlook the Cleveland Browns. They obviously absolutely destroyed the Ravens the last time they played this season. So you can't overlook them. That said, they're coming off a 38-24 loss to the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah, so we're here Sunday evening 
And uh, I cannot believe the, the Browns lost that game. They needed that game to stay in the hunt. And I think they're pretty much all but eliminated at this point. But I cannot believe they, they lost that game. I think, as you can say, the, the Browns are a different team than they were back then. I think you can probably say the same for the Ravens as well, especially on the defensive side. Um, you know, we, we've talked about them a lot during this week's episode. But, uh, you know, the linebackers are playing much better. Chuck Clark is playing really well. Adding Marcus Peters, obviously. I, th- I think the defense is much better than it was back in, what was it, week three that we lost to the – or maybe it was week four that we lost to the Browns, Some something early on in the season. So I think well, that's uh, – go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was going to say, I think that's the major key for this game is that while the Browns have kind of gone downhill a little bit, the Ravens have steadily made improvements on both sides of the ball and uh, are playing some of their best best football of the season. Agreed. Uh, very much agreed. I mean, I, they're two very different teams than when they last played. I mean, both – both because Miles Garrett isn't going to be playing for the Browns, you know, to to help mm-hmm. provide that uh, that containment of a guy like Lamar or the running backs or whoever you want to talk about on offense. But you know, it, it it's just a it, this is a very different Ravens team from the defense to everything else. I mean, think about how much this defense has evolved since that game, you know, not only is Marcus Peters a Raven, you know, but you've got just so many different aspects to, you know, to the defense, you know, where Tony Jefferson was probably on the field, I believe, at that point, to Chuck Clark, to, you know, all the different uh, combinations that the team now plays because you've, you've got the, the depth on in the the DBs that we have with Marcus Peters, I mean it's 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 just a very different team. So and and of course Lamar is unquestionably excellent. You know, whereas when we played the Browns before, and and I don't think the Ravens lost because of mistakes by Lamar in any stretch. I don't believe in that game. Um, but I think you can more so count on Lamar to get the job done and expect him to get the job done than we necessarily could back game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, they were just playing catch up the whole time and, and the defense couldn't get a stop. So no matter really, no matter what Lamar was doing, you know, the offense really didn't have a shot in that one. But that was, that was one of the interesting games where like people say like, all right, but what happens when this Ravens team goes down by a little bit. I mean, that seems to be one of the more recent ones in which the Ravens were losing. Um, and, and, you know, the offense was still able to put up 25 points. And, and, you know, usually that's good enough for this defense. But, you know, I think this time they're a little bit better equipped on both sides of the ball and should be able to go into Cleveland and, and get out of there with a win. Uh, do you want to get into a prediction? Let's see. I'm going to say... 31 to 6. And Terrell oh, wow. Suggs will have a sack oh. in the Ravens win. Oh, all right. All right. So then, okay, I, I'm going to, I think it's going to be a little bit closer. I was going to say like 28 to 20, something like that. The Ravens will win by, by a score or, or two and, uh, you know, get out of there with a win. But you bring up a great, great point here. 
Terrell Suggs released by the Cardinals or waived by the Cardinals. I'm sorry. He has to go through the waiver process. The Ravens are last on the waiver wire. Should we bring him in? If he actually somehow makes it to us, I think there's no question you bring him back. I mean, if oh, only, yeah. I, I mean, because if anything, you know, and, and I don't really look at it as a Ray Lewis last ride situation, although it could turn out that way. I mean, the Ravens in depth on the outside for not mm-hmm. only pass rush, but to set the edge, as you were talking yeah. about just a few minutes ago. What what better player to find to set the edge for us than Terrell Suggs? Yeah, I yeah, mean, I mean like, especially you know, when you're saying we only need five games or whatever it whatever that is, you know, through the Super Bowl at this point, you know, uh, why not? Yeah, absolutely. I think if he does get back to him, get get back to us, then he gets claimed and he is active for that Browns game immediately. Uh, it would be so awesome to have him back out there in purple and black. But again, I mean, since we're last, there are other teams that need edge players and there are other teams in the AFC that, that might just try to claim Suggs just so that the Ravens don't get him. And, you know, it would be kind of a risk because allegedly he said that, uh, you know, he's not going to play for anybody else other than the Ravens. So a team could claim him. He would, I guess, like, he would have to retire. Like, I don't know how that would work, like, or just not report. And, but, but that team, whoever it may be, would still have his rights. So he wouldn't be free to sign with anybody else until those rights are relinquished. So it'll be interesting to see what teams do. I mean, I I could definitely see, like, the Patriots just going and doing this just to block him from coming to the Ravens. Or, you know, a team that might actually need him, like the Titans, uh, might might take a shot at him and, you know, who knows if he would actually play or not. But it would be very interesting to see if he gets down to the Ravens in this spot. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I like you said, I mean, there are a lot of other teams there that that are likely going to take him. I mean, as much as I, I'm having fun, you know, predicting that he'll have a sack, which – if he actually gets to the Ravens, I think that that happens. But him actually getting to the Ravens, I I'm actually fairly pessimistic about for all the reasons you said that it would yeah. it would certainly be amazing if he made it. It would be so cool. It would like oh my gosh, that would be so cool. But again, who knows? We got to wait until Monday. I think at like 4 p.m. it gets announced who claimed him. Or maybe they'll have some information before that. But, uh, you know, fingers crossed. They're, like, other people worried about the team chemistry and things like that. I mean, he was in Baltimore for, what, 13 years? Whatever, whatever it was. The last like, thing he's going to do is disrupt team chemistry. Yeah, I mean, we've been, we've been bringing in, like, random free agents. Like, Domita Pecco just brought him in. He's led the team in tackles the past two weeks. Yeah. I don't see any problem with the team chemistry there. So, like, if that's your problem with bringing back Suggs, I don't really think that's very valid, but he, he's got to get to but, us, but and, and be that'll real, be a problem. I'm actually looking right now at this picture of Wink Martindale, by the way, as I say this, but as amazing as this team chemistry is, there's nothing about this team chemistry that Terrell Suggs will hurt. 
Yes. He absolutely. will. Are you kidding me? I'm looking at this picture of Wink Martindale. This whole team, this is right up Terrell Suggs' alley. Yes, absolutely. Now, I will say this. Now, you bring in somebody like a Ray Lewis, that might not work. Right, right. That's true. Somebody who, who likes to... uh Likes a little bit more of the attention, I guess. Yeah, Sutton yeah. isn't that guy. He's right. not Mr. Pre-game speech. Well, maybe he did that somewhat, but that's not. I mean, to me, he just adds to the to the excellence of the locker room. If anything, that's where that may be all he adds. But they, let's face it, there's always the chance he could be washed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is getting, you know. Waved by the Cardinals. So, you know, it'll, it'll be cool. I I hope it happens, but, but I, I have a feeling we may be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm so excited for it. I'm like, not, I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but it would be so awesome. Like, I, I'm like giddy just thinking about it. Just, I mean, my goodness! It, it like, would with be this secondary it, plus thrill Everything about everything about it seems storybook and perfect. And if it happens, the Ravens are winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh yes, you know Jeez. what I mean? It, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I mean, I, I'm not trying to. This isn't me predicting it. That's just that's the storybook kind of season they're having right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. But, uh, yeah, Ravens win 10 straight now. We both think they'll go into Cleveland and get another win against a Browns team that's in a precarious spot, uh, I guess is is a way to say it. But uh, you want to sign us off, Holly? Anything else to discuss? Not not too much to discuss other than it's, it's always good to be back to say with confidence if it's Brown, flush it down. I expect the Ravens to be doing just that this week, as we said. And, hey, you guys keep those purple-colored glasses on out there because it's going to keep keep looking good for our Ravens. One more time, go Ravens. Go Ravens. Trust. <laughs>